0: of your life matter of fact turn to the person next to you let them know you got to guard your heart hey you're amazing guard your heart now here's the deal for some of us we may have thought that we have let jesus into our heart but the truth is for a lot of us in here we have not let him in to every single part of our heart Take, for example, uh, there's this guy, and his name was Pistol Pete Maravich, and I don't know if you guys are big basketball fans or not, but Pistol Pete Maravich, he played in the NBA a while ago. This is like LeBron James before LeBron James. This is like Magic Johnson before Magic Johnson, and this guy, he played in the NBA for like 13 years, and he was good. He won championships. This guy was awesome. He could do all sorts of crazy passes behind his back and whatnot, and so after he decided to retire. He still played a lot of basketball. As a matter of fact, this is like in the 70s, so it's like this real tall white guy with like hippie hair. Everybody thought this guy was the coolest, and so he would just go to parks, go to gyms, and still play basketball after he graduated. Or after he graduated. After he won and played in the NBA. So one day right before he was about to do a radio interview, boom! He had a heart attack and he died. What does this say? A person's physical prowess does not say what's really going on in their heart. Or I don't know of this. Have you guys ever been in that moment where you have said something, it just came out like somebody did something, somebody said something to you and it pushed your button. And the minute that it push your button. You're like, ah, I'm going to punch you on the throat and drown you. You're like, oh my goodness, I did not mean to say that. That sounds crazy. Why would I do that? I would go to jail. But the thing about it is this. It wasn't that you didn't mean to say that. You just didn't mean for it to come out. Because why? Out of the overflow of your heart, your what speaks? Your mouth speaks. And see, for a lot of us in here, we do not realize that there are some things going on in our heart that we have not dealt with. And today, we are going to deal with those things. So turn to the person behind you and let them know, we're dealing with it today. We're dealing with it today. So, two things that get caught in our heart that we're going to talk about today is guilt and anger. Let's be honest, how many people in here you would say, you have some anger issues. It's okay. Be honest. You got anger issues. That I, I, you know, he's upset right now. You got some anger issues. And that's okay. We all have issues. But one of the things that you have to remember is this. Anger, anger basically says this. You owe me. You have done something to me, you have taken something from me, and I cannot be happy until you give it back to me. Case in point, okay. Now, growing up, I had this friend, and his name was Peter. And Peter and I, we did everything together. We would, like, go have sleepovers. We would go to, like, parties together and everything. Matter of fact, everybody would call us twins. They're like, yeah, you're black, he's white, but you guys are still twins. We did everything everything together. And so I'll never forget it. One day, we're sitting there. We're by our lockers. We're talking. Next thing you know, Lindsay Anderson comes walking by. Now, Lindsay was like the hottest girl in our school. Okay, first of all, I got to stop using real people's names. I'm sure Lindsay is awesome today. But think about it was when she walked by, everybody was like, whoa man this girl was hot and so as she walked by peter and i we looked exactly at each other and we're like okay one of us has got to talk to this girl and he's like no man you got to talk to the last girl i'm like no man you don't understand that last girl tried to bite me it was a weird thing that doesn't count and so what we do when guys disagree and we got to come to an agreement what do we do rock paper scissors what kind of friends do you have He was like punch him in the face no You paper, rock, scissors it. So we're like, okay, best two out of three. One, two, three. Okay, first of all, you can't go before shoot, because then why would you say three? All right, shoot. And then of course, I won. And I was like, oh, snap. I'm going to talk to Lindsay Anderson. So I'll never forget it. We shared uh, the same economics class together. And I'll never forget it. I'm sitting right here. Lindsay was sitting down the row. And I was like, you know what? I've got to talk to Lindsay. And so what I did is I pulled out a piece of paper, and I began to write in a note. Because See, you got to understand, back in the day, we didn't have cell phones. You couldn't text somebody. You had to write them a note. And so I got there, and I was like, Lindsay, do you like me? Circle yes or no, because you got to tell people what you want them to do. And so I took that paper, and I folded it up in that special kind of way, and I sent it down the row. And I was like, yeah, give her the note. Give her the note. Hey, not you. I don't like you. The other one. And so, of course, Lindsay, she got the note, she waved at me, and I was just like, you go, girl. And then she opened up the note, and then all of a sudden, she took out a pen, and she began to write. And I was like, hold on, Lindsay. I don't want to read your writing. I just want to read your circles. But, of course, she wrote something down, took the note folded it up in that special kind of way, and sent it down the row. And I was like, yeah, give me my note, give me my note, give me my note. And of course, I got it. I opened it up, and it said, if you want to know the answer to that, you have got to call me. And I'm like, hold on, Lindsay, you don't understand. I am a teenage boy. When I get nervous, my voice does that thing where I sound like I am possessed. But I'm like, okay, Terrence, you can do that. She's worth the call. And so I remember at that night, I'm sitting by my phone, and I'm, like, rehearsing. I'm like, okay, hey, Lindsay, hey, hey, girl. Hey, girl, hey, girl. I was like, ooh, too black. Pull it back, pull it back. (laughs) I can do this. So I dialed her up on the phone. We had older phones back in the day. I was like, okay, Terrence, you can do this. All of a sudden, she answered, hello, hey, Lindsay. She's like, who is this? I'm like, sorry, I'm really nervous right now. Uh, Will you go out with me? And then there was this long pause, and then all of a sudden, I heard, Terrence, I would love to go out with you. And I was like oh! And you do that dance that you do where nobody's looking at you and you're like hey, oh, hey and so Lindsay and I, we started a date and we did all those things that you do when you first start dating that somebody. We would like meet each other at the beginning of school. We would walk hand in hand to our locker and as soon as we got to our locker, we'd start going to class and then when we had to separate from each other, we're like I know I'm gonna miss you. It's gonna be a long 30 minutes but I'm gonna miss you. And then we would come back to and go to lunch together and we would share our mashed potatoes together and of course at night we would just talk on the phone and it got to the point where we didn't even have anything to say I was just like just breathe girl just breathe I just want to hear you breathe and of course the time finally came where I knew this was the one and so I did what every guy does when he knows he's found that special somebody I went to go introduce her to my mom, and I was like, Mom, I know I'm only 15, but this is the girl. This is the girl I'm going to marry, and my mom, she looked at me. She's like, you're stupid, but I don't care because Lindsay was the one, and after a glorious month-and-a-half relationship, that's when it happened. I remember I was at school. I was waiting for Lindsay to come in. She walks over to me. And she doesn't say anything, but she hands me a note. And she says, don't open it until you get to class. So of course, I took that note. I went to class. I opened it up. And it said, Terrence, I like you, but I don't want to go out with you anymore. And I was crushed. I'm starting to think to myself, What what happened? Lindsay was supposed to be the one. I really like Lindsay. I thought everything was great. And I'm sitting in the classroom. I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling devastated. And I'm like, man, I got to go talk to my friend Peter. Maybe Peter knows what's going on. And so as soon as class got done and over with, I'm going through the hallway. I see Peter going to class. I go, Peter, Peter, you never understand what happened. See, Lindsay, she gave me a note, and she broke up with me. I don't know what's going on. And then all of a sudden, Peter got that weird look on his face. And he goes, Terrence... I'm sorry. I really like her. I'm sorry. And I am sitting there and I am upset. And I'll never forget, Peter kept on apologizing. Terrence, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, I'm sorry too. I'm going to have to choke you out now. I am sorry. But the only way that Peter and I got past that was I took that pain and I took that hurt. And I stuffed it down. And I was like, you know what, Terrence? This is your fault. This is what happens when you trust people. Because anytime you trust people, they're going to hurt you. And so I took it, and I put it down there. But unfortunately, that was not the first time that I have done that. See, you've got to understand, when you believe in Jesus... There is no excuse for the way that you act. And I'll never forget it. I am holding on to that pain. I am holding on to that anger and that hurt. And matter of fact, Paul in Ephesians, he talks about this. And he says in Ephesians 4.31-32... Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, you guys got to understand, for Paul, I'm sitting here sometimes, I read the Bible, and I'm like, okay, seriously, Paul, I'm just supposed to get rid of it, be like, "Mm, I was mad, but I'm not mad anymore, this is great, thank you, Paul. Like, how do you do this? I don't understand, but Paul, what he is saying is when you get stuff stuck in your heart, you get bitterness, you get rage, and you get anger, you're supposed to get rid of it. And when I think about that, I think about this, how many of you have ever been walking in the woods or maybe you're walking into an old house and then all of a sudden you can feel yourself walking in spider webs. Has that ever happened to you? Okay, what do you do when that happens? and you start running around, and for me, I'm like hitting myself. I'm going home, and I'm taking a shower. I'm washing my hair. Yes, I do. I wash my hair, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, I can feel it. The spider babies are all over me. I can feel it. I got to get them off, and this is what Paul is saying. As soon as anger enters your heart, get rid of it, because if you don't, it's going to come back It's going to hurt you because, see, the things that grow in your heart, you don't understand. You think that you might be swallowing that pain. You might be swallowing that anger. But in the darkness, that's when these dark things grow. And you got to get rid of it. And see, Jesus actually talks about this because one day him and his disciples and his boy Peter, they're walking along. And then all of a sudden, Peter, he's just like, okay, Lord. Let's, let's be real, okay? I've seen you, like, raise people from the dead. I've seen you turn uh, the blind that they can see. But let's talk about something here. How many times am I supposed to forgive somebody? I mean, let's be real. After a certain point, you got to have some tough love with people, right? you got to let them know, hey, you can't do this. How many times, Lord, are we talking? Seven times? Are we talking uh, 18 times? What are we talking? And this is what Jesus says to him. I tell you, not 70 to- not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. And I will pay back everything I owe. The servant master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me. The fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servants just as I had on you? And anger his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Man, that is a deep story. Now let's, for a second, think about this. Now, this dude, he owed his master money. And, matter of fact, when we look at the amount today and what that amounts to, he owed his master millions of dollars. He would have never been able to pay it back. But when he asked for forgiveness, what does the master do? Of course, I'm canceling all your debt you're free. But then that same servant goes out and he finds another dude. And this dude, when we look at that amount today, it was only like a day's wage. This guy could have paid it back easily in the next two days. But what? He gets mad and he throws him to be in the jail. And of course, the master hears about this and he's like, man, what is the deal? You know what? I'm taking everything you have And now you're going to be in jail until you pay me back. And we all know there's no way that he was able to pay him back when he had a job. And now he is never, ever going to be able to repay his master back. What does that story have to do with us? It is simple. You have to forgive the people that hurt you. Because if you don't, Jesus can't forgive you. Now, That is a hard thing to do, and don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you guys, hey, as soon as somebody makes you angry, just be like, you know what, it's all cool. That's not what I'm saying, but what I am telling you is this. If we don't begin to work on that forgiveness, if we don't begin to work on that pain and anger, you have to remember that this is something that will keep you away from your Father in heaven. Remember, Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, for it decides the course of your life. Think about it this way. Anger occurs when you don't get your way. Think about it. Anytime somebody does something to you, you get angry. Why? Because you didn't get what you wanted. Now, I understand there are some of you in this room, you have experienced some deep hurts and some deep pains. And yeah, you, from all rational point of view, You deserve to be mad at that. I get that, and I understand that. But you have to understand that if you are carrying that around with you, you are carrying around a bunch of IOUs that nobody will ever be able to pay you back. Think about it this way. Somebody hurts you, and even if they come back and they say, hey, I'm sorry for doing that to you, they're really not going to be able to pay it back. Like, for instance, I went to a school in Minneapolis, and it was called North Central. And North Central is this small Christian college in the middle of the city. Now, when you go to this school, they have, like, parking spots that are all pretty. They got lights around, security guards walk around, and they're like, good morning, how are you doing? Here's your car. Like, it's awesome. But the thing about these parking spots is this. It costs money to park in those parking spots. And for me, being the college student I was, I was broke. I couldn't afford to pay for some parking spot. I could barely afford to go to school. So I had to park my car on this place called Free Street. Now, Free Street was the most ghetto street I have ever seen in my life. Free Street, there were no lights on Free Street. Matter of fact, there was like a crack house right across the street from Free Street. It was scary on Free Street. But I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I'll just park my car there. What's the worst that can happen? Well, I experienced the worst that can happen because one day I walked out to my car and the window was completely busted in. And somebody took out all the change that was in my ashtray. I am furious. I'm like, oh my gosh, do you realize that the change you took was like, doesn't even compare to the window I have to replace? You could have just asked me for the change. I would have just given it to you. But the fact that you broke the window is going to cost me way more than the change that you took. This is what it's like When you are angry with somebody else, because when somebody hurts you, it's not really just about what they did. It's more than that. Sometimes for some of us, it's about your security. Sometimes for some of us, it's about somebody betraying you. And even if they come back and say, sorry, it's like, well, you're still not replacing my trust. You're still not replacing my safety. Remember, this is why Jesus says it's so important. This is why Paul emphasizes that you've got to get rid of this because it will start to block out all the things that God has for you because you're too busy holding that, holding that bag of IOUs from somebody else. But let's talk about all my guilty people up in the room. Now, first of all, How many of us have done something, and you're like, "Mm, I feel bad about that. I feel guilty. Let's be honest. It happens. You're not raising your hand, little girl, but I know it's happened. I can tell. Now, when you are feeling guilty, what that breaks down to is this. I owe you. I owe you. I cannot be happy until I repay what I have done to you. But the simple fact of the matter is this. When you feel guilty about something, uh, it's almost like, um, think about it this way. How many of you guys have ever had a bill collector call your house? Okay, maybe I'm the only one. I've had bill collectors call my house. And after a while, you know what that phone number looks like. And so you're like, you know what? I'm not going to pick up the phone until I have that money. That's all. I I will talk to this bill collector until I know I've got the money. And so when that phone number rings, you don't want to talk to the bill collector right now. You're like, don't worry. I'm going to pay back. And when they finally call, I'm going to be like, hey, I, I know you haven't reached me in a year and a half, but I finally got the money. So... When we feel guilty, that is the same thing that we do with God. Say, you know what, God, I feel really bad about this. And so... I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to go to church. Maybe three or for some of us, maybe we won't go to church at all because we feel bad, and we feel like if I go to church, everybody's going to know what I did and they're going to judge me. so maybe I' need to read my Bible for like a month and a half, then I'll be ready to come back in. But the thing about it is this: God did not say, "Come in all those who are not guilty with anything. Come in all those that are sinless." God does not say that. He says, "Come to me. Those are a burden those that have sinned, you come to me and I will give you freedom. See, there's a story. How many of you guys know the story of Zacchaeus? Okay, Zacchaeus. If you guys don't know the story of Zacchaeus, you know. Uh, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up. Okay, I need to stop. My blackness will not allow me to continue on with the song. But Zacchaeus, if you don't know the uh, story of Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, he was like this, uh, this tax collector, okay? And the bad thing about tax collectors back in the day, nobody liked tax collectors. Matter of fact, that's probably like today. But nobody liked tax collectors because they were especially bad. And the reason why they were especially bad, because see, the Romans, uh, they didn't like just choose one of their own to go in and take or They actually chose somebody that was one of the Jews to go in and get money from other Jews. But these tax collectors, when the tax was maybe 5%, they would tell the people, hey, you owe 10%. And they would pocket the extra 5%. This wasn't a secret. Everybody knew what the tax collectors did. So, Everybody knew Zacchaeus. Nobody likes Zacchaeus. But also, the thing about Zacchaeus was this: uh, he was a wee little man. Now, he wasn't just uh, a short guy. Zacchaeus was like, uh, what's the proper term for uh, uh, little people? I don't. I want to be exact. I don't want somebody going in here and being like, "My mom is one of those." Why'd you say that? But this dude was super, super short. Okay. And so one day they hear about Jesus coming to the town. And of course Jesus during this time, he's like this rock star. Everybody's hearing about all these cool things Jesus is doing. And so there's this big crowd around him. And because Zacchaeus was this small guy, he was like Danny DeVito short. He couldn't see over the crowd. So Zacchaeus, he climbs up into the tree to take a look at Jesus. But the crazy thing about it was this. As soon as Jesus got underneath uh Zacchaeus, he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, come down for I'm coming to your house today. Think about this for a second. Nobody talked to Jesus about Zacchaeus, okay? It wasn't like they're like, hey Jesus, you really need to go talk to this Zacchaeus, man. He's crazy. Nobody said that because nobody likes Zacchaeus. So why would they talk to Jesus? But the crazy thing is, Jesus still knew his name. I'm telling you right now, as guilty as you feel, as much bad things that you have done, Jesus still knows you. And he still wants to come to your house. So it says that as soon as Jesus walked into the house, Zacchaeus, he goes, Jesus, I will give back every half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay it back four times the amount. Now, the crazy thing is Jesus doesn't go, oh, man, that's cool, you're safe, don't worry about it. No, Jesus, he responds to him by saying, "Uh, now we know salvation has come to this house today. He doesn't stop Zacchaeus from giving over half his things. He doesn't stop Zacchaeus from paying back 10 times the amount that he stole. Jesus goes, this is how we know Zacchaeus is different. This is how we know that Zacchaeus is now saved. Look, when you feel guilty about something, you gotta let people know, hey, I am sorry for what I've done. And that could be a hard thing, but I'm telling you now that uh in James it says uh James 5, 15 through 16. Uh, James, if you guys don't know, James is like the doctor in the Bible, okay? He looks at things like a doctor would, and he says this, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Look, James is literally saying, for some of us, you have had so much stuff stuck into your heart that it is making you physically sick. For some of you in here, if you know what ulcers are, when you have an ulcer, why does that happen? It happens because you have a lot of stress and you are keeping it inside. For some of us in here, we're dealing with depression. Why? Maybe it's because you're holding so much in that you don't like the picture that looks back at you. You start not liking yourself because of the things that you have done, some of the things that you feel like you have wronged other people. So what does James say? Simple. You got to let it out. This is how you get well. Let it out. Now, I'm not telling you guys all these things because I read it in a book and it sounded good and I think we should do it. No, I am telling you guys all these things because this is something I've had to do in my own life. See, the first time that I stuffed that pain and that anger down, I'll never forget it. Uh, You have to understand, my parents, they got divorced when I was two or three years old. And my mom was a single mom for a long time. And so my mom, I have two older brothers. And so when my mom had to go to work, she used to drop us off at daycare. And so my brothers were like five, six years older than I was. And so... When I was about eight or nine, they were like 14, uh, 15 years old. And so my brothers, what they used to do, my mom used to drop us off at daycare. My brothers would look in the mirror or look in the window. And when they saw my mom leave, they'd be like, all right, we're out. Peace. And they would go back home and they would play video games all day. And they would leave me at daycare. But that was totally fine with me because there are lots of other kids in daycare with me. But I'll never forget it. It was the summer that Mighty Morphin Power Rangers came out. Now, I am not talking about Dino Xeno Warriors. I'm not talking about all that. I'm talking about the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And I'll never forget it. The whole summer, it was a countdown. Two days until Mighty Morphin Power Rangers came out. And all the kids at the daycare, we're all super excited about it. We're like, yeah, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And I'll never forget the day that it finally came on. My mom, she dropped us off at the daycare. My brothers, they watched her leave. They're like, all right, bye. And I'll never forget, I ran downstairs with all the other kids. One kid jumped out. He had underwear on his head. And he was like, I'm a Power Ranger. And we're like, no, you are poopy, man. But that's okay. You're excited. And we sat down, and we started watching the show. And when it started, it was everything that we wanted it to be. But it was during that first commercial break, and I'll never forget it, one of the older kids came over to me and he said, Terrence, I want to show you something in the back. And being the kid that I was, I followed him back there. That was the first time that I got molested. And I remember at eight, nine years old, I was so hurt. I was so angry with what had happened to me. I was angry at him. I was angry with myself for letting that happen. And at eight, nine years old, nobody ever told me what to do. Nobody ever told me what what you should do when somebody does that to you. And so I took all that pain and that hurt that I had just experienced, and I stuffed it down. And I, I just tried to keep on going with my life. I didn't tell anybody what had happened to me until about six, seven years later. And I'll never forget it. I, I'm in school, and I'm with my friends, and we've gotten really close with each other. And one day, like all good friends do, we're making fun of each other. And nothing malicious, just being friends. And then all of a sudden, somebody said something to me that pushed my button. And I went off. And I was like, don't you ever say something like that to me. I'm a man. You can't say something like that. And all my friends were like, whoa, Terrence, calm down. It's okay. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I'm a man. You can't say something like that to me. I'm a man. I'm a man. And then all of a sudden, I broke down and I started to bawl. A teacher came over to me. They put an arm around me, and they said, Terrence, I don't know what's going on, but we've got to deal with this. we got to talk about it. That was the first time that I told somebody what had happened. I tell you right now, anger, pain, and hurt, if you do not let this out, it will start to fill up your heart, and it will seep in to all areas of your life. This is why it's important that you guard your heart above all else, for it decides the course of your life. But then on the other side of it, it's that guilt. And see, when I think about guilt, I think about this kid uh, named Matt. And see, Matt woke up one morning, and he had a secret. And he knew that he needed to talk to somebody. And so he woke up and he saw his dad getting ready for work. And he goes over to him and he goes, Dad, can I talk to you about something? And he's like, hey, son, I'm running late for work, but after work, let's talk. After you get done with school, we'll talk. And so Matt, he took a secret on the bus and he saw his friend sitting by himself writing things on paper. And he goes, hey, man, can I talk to you? And he goes, you know what? I need to really finish up this math assignment right now before we go to class, but let's ta- talk at lunch, okay? We'll talk at at lunch and so Matt he went to school and he went to his first class and he saw his teacher getting ready for class and he walks over to him and he goes hey can I talk to you for a second and he goes well I'm starting class in a minute but after class we'll talk okay we'll talk after class but as soon as class got done and over with the teacher was bombarded by students asking about test scores and papers and so Matt knew he couldn't talk to his teacher and so Matt went to lunch. He saw his friend sitting there. He sat next to him, and he goes, hey, man, can we talk? I really need to talk. And he goes, well, actually, I'm sitting next to this girl I really like right now, but we'll talk on the bus ride home, okay? We'll talk on the bus ride home. But as soon as Matt got on the bus, he looked around, and he didn't see his friend sitting there. So Matt took a secret, and he sat in the back of the bus by himself. As soon as he got home, He started to walk through the door, and he's thinking to himself, maybe now I'll be able to talk to my dad. But as soon as he walked in, he can hear his parents arguing, and he knew he couldn't talk to them then. So Matt took his secret and went into the garage. That day, Matt had two secrets. One secret was he had bought a gun at school, and he was going to use it to take his own life. The other secret was, we'll never know. Because on that day, Matt used that gun. I will never forget hearing about Matt. I'll never forget the day I walked into my house, my parents sat me down, and they told me what had happened. I'll never forget going to Matt's funeral. And I remember everybody was going down to to say their goodbyes, At the casket, I remember stopping at the doors of the church and I am frozen. And everybody's walking in and my mom comes over to me and she's the nicest woman ever and she goes, baby, you gotta go say your goodbyes. And I remember as I inched my way down to the, the casket, I just, I begin the ball. And as soon as I got to the casket, I looked down and I said, I forgive you. I forgive you for what you did to me. See, Matt and I We're carrying the same secret, but just two different sides of it. I was carrying the anger and the pain from what he had done, and Matt was carrying the guilt of what had happened. See, there's a reason why we need to confess our sins, because the weight of guilt, it kills. This is why it's important that you let it out. And I know some of you in here, you're just like, Terrence, you have no idea the consequences I will have to deal with if I let this out. But I'm telling you today that you have no idea how this will affect your life if you don't. Proverbs 4:23. guard your heart above all else for it decides the course of your life. So here's what I want to do. I want to invite the worship band back up. And as they come up, uh, each and every one of you are going to get a piece of paper and a pen. This is what I'm asking you to do. For all of those that have anger, pain, and hurt stuck in their heart, I'm going to ask you to start the road of forgiveness. What does that look like? It's like this. The way that I was taught to deal with forgiveness after going through counseling was you got to name the person who has done you wrong and don't just say person over there or these group of people but be specific about the person and be specific about what they did. Don't just say they hurt me What exactly did they do to you? Then let let it know. Remember, they hurt me, and they took away my safety. They took away my trust. Whatever it is, think through the things that they took away from you, and then think about it. But I'm going to drop the bag of IOUs, and they don't owe me anymore. Just as as much as my father in heaven forgives me, I forgive them. Now the first time you do this, it may not work. But this this isn't a sprint. This is a journey to forgiveness. It may take you 10 times. It may take you 33 times. And for some of you, it may take a hundred times. No matter how many times it happens, remember, name the person, go through in your head what they did, what they took away from you, and then imagine yourself dropping the bag of IOUs and saying, I forgive you because my Father in heaven forgives me. And one day, I promise you, it took me a year and a half to get to that point. But today, I can stand here right now and I can tell you, I forgive him. For others of you in this room that are dealing with guilt, that you know you have wronged someone else, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take this piece of paper and I want you to begin to write a note to that person, to write a letter. And maybe for you even, it's writing a text message to them right now. And I want you to begin to write it out. And remember, it doesn't matter how that person responds. All that matters is that you're letting it out. And for all of those that are forgiving other people, you're not saying it's okay what you did. You're saying, I am moving on from this. And I am done letting you hold on to my happiness. So take a moment right now. If you need to write that letter, begin to write it. If you need to forgive, then begin to pray. Begin to go through the process. And begin to let it go. I'll take you I'll give you a couple minutes. Now, this is what I want you to do. I want everybody to stand up. And if you're still writing, that's okay. And if you are a leader in this room and if you are able to, I don't, if you're dealing, then you deal but if you're a leader in this room or you're a part of Valley Forge, then I just want you to come up here and then face everybody now, before we do this I want to tell you about a lady named Corey Tinnenboom. Maybe some of you know her, maybe you don't. But Corey Tinnenboom, her family was one of the families that helped Jewish people escape the Nazis. And they helped hundreds of people escape the Nazis. They hid them in their house. But one day, somebody from their own town told on them, Nazis came in, took them away, and brought them to a concentration camp. Her mother and her father were separated from her and her sister. And there is one guy at this concentration camp, a Nazi soldier, that he treated her and her sister badly. He would not feed them for days. He would strip them naked and watch them walk in front of him. And it got to the point where Corey Tinnenboom, she even says that she remembers her sister, skinniest that she's ever seen her, naked, fall down on the ground, and she died right in front of her. A couple days after her sister died, that's when the Americans came in and they freed them. Corey Tinnenboom went back to America where she started a ministry, because she felt like, I can't hold on to this, and and I've got to forgive. And so, as she is starting this ministry here in America, God placed on her heart, you know what? You actually need to go over to Germany, and you need to forgive the people over there as well. And so and Boom, she went back to Germany and she did these, these messages where she would gather a whole bunch of Germans in a tent. And she will begin to talk about how all the things that had happened, but she forgives all of those that served in the Nazi army. And these Germans, they just looked at her and they're just like, I, I don't know what she's talking about. But then one day after she got done speaking, a man in a hat, he had a briefcase in his hand, came up to her. He took the hat off and immediately and Boom recognized him it was the guard that terrorized her and her sister and she got filled with anger and this man walked up to her and he goes um, one of the concentration camps you talked about I was actually at that camp and uh, I did some pretty bad things and I'm wondering does God forgive me can you forgive me? And Corrie Tenenbaum, she even says in her book, I got filled with so much anger. And she's like, in this moment, I got so mad at God. And she goes, God, I forgive all of the other Nazis, but I can't forgive this man. I just can't do it. But God, if you want me to, I will. But all I can do right now is just reach my hand up. And so she says, as the man put his hand out to shake it, she just lifted her hand. And she goes, in that moment, that man reached out further, and she knew she couldn't deny him a handshake. And so she went to go shake his hand, and immediately the power of God fell upon her. And she began to ball. And she goes, I forgive you, and I love you. That man broke down and he gave his life to Jesus. For both Tin and Boone and for that man it was a moment that they both needed. Don't let your anger, your pain, and your hurt hold you back from God's freedom in your life. Don't let what you have done hold you back from God's freedom in your life. So this is what I want to do. When I say go, worship band's going to play. And for all of those that feel that anger, that pain, and you know you need to forgive, I want you to come up here right now, and I want you to tell one of these leaders, hey, I need help forgiving, and name that person. This is not a, I got you. We're not going to go try to find that person. But just name it. And they're going to pray for this forgiveness process to begin with you. But for all of those that feel that guilt, the weight of that guilt, I want you to come up here and I want you to bring your letter and I want you to find one of these people and I want you to say, I need help sending this to this person. I need help putting send on that text message. They will pray for you and they will pray that you are able to send it and be set free. In either circumstance, it doesn't matter how that person replies. All that matters is that you're doing what your God has called you to do. They're going to play, and at that time, we're going to pray as well. Let's go. Now, they're going to sing that over again. But if anybody in here, if you're here and you're standing up and you're like, Terrence, I am good. God is so good. That is awesome. Then you can feel free to take a seat. But before you do that, everybody else in here that knows you know what? I am struggling with this right now. I know I should be up there, but I'm trying to hold it in. I'm telling you, do not sit down yet. Just like Cory Tinnenboom To say God I'm standing up And I need your help in doing the rest I need your help in coming up here They're going to sing And This is between you and God But if you know You need to be up here I just want you to continue standing Until God takes control And brings you up I'll pray And then they'll sing God, you're an awesome God. And so, Lord, I pray for everyone in here right now, whether it's anger, whether it's uh, guilt, that, God, that you will help them to be set free, God. That, God, that all of us have to deal with all these things. But the awesome thing is that you love us and you go after us and you want us to be free indeed. And so, Lord, I pray that everyone walks out of here knowing your freedom and experiencing it. We thank you and we just praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.